0: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on
1: QSportsTalk.com. This is Newhouse at Night. Here tomorrow's star broadcasters today. Live on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio Syracuse.
0: Welcome back into the Newhouse studios. Nico Horning, Max Gifford. We're sitting on another segment of our pre-recorded, and I believe our last segment of our pre-recorded interview with Jeff Passan. And it's been a great interview so far, and it ends off with a great, great answer for our final question. So we'll toss to Jeff now for the end of the interview.
1: Okay, cool. Um, so you've done a lot of interviews with both your writing and then transitioning into, into broadcasting and having to write different stories about different people, obviously. What is some advice that you would give us right now, looking back at your career on best way to conduct interviews or putting that interview down to paper? um ask short simple direct questions um with a purpose uh, i'm not saying know the answer that you want to get because that's an impossible thing to do um but i think when you're asking questions they they need to be purposeful and they they need to be targeted and um I I think the more you ramble on with questions, uh, the likelier you are to give somebody the opportunity to process them in the moment and, um, uh, you know, potentially dodge what you're trying to ask. Um, If it's a, you know, if it's a more thoughtful profile based interview, maybe, maybe the questions uh, are extended out a little because you want the person to have time to give a more thoughtful answer but if it's a if it's a news story if it's a serious story um short direct and to the point always works um i i i think beyond that with interviewing be prepared like preparation goes such a long way and and you can tell when someone is prepared and when someone isn't very easily um i, I think in terms of re- like just reporting the details you know that that that's quite often the differentiator. When you when you're always looking for things, trying to hear things, um, hell, trying to smell, uh, using all your senses, um, you're going to pick up on things that others who uh, maybe are more focused on, uh, you know, on, on a particular thing or can't can't juggle all those things in their brain at the same time don't and. You know, when you're out reporting something, the the one thing you want is to be different and, and not like forced different, but different in terms of I gathered more interesting information than you did. And in doing so, I'm going to be eventually more indispensable to the reader, viewer, whoever it may be, because this person wants a greater depth of information and that's what I'm here to provide. And whether that's through observation, through interview or otherwise, it's that chasing of of facts and of knowledge that I think underpins everything we do.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um before I I, I know you got to go soon. Um uh I just had one more question. We we've been fortunate enough on this show to have a couple cool people on. We had Joe Buck on. Uh, a couple of months ago. And right around when we interviewed him, we, uh, it was around the time when the veterans ballot came out for the hall of fame. And we asked him about, you know, the current state. And I'm interested kind of with you, considering you and Joe, both have seen a lot of these guys and seen these guys play. You've reported on these guys who are now starting to come on the ballot. We saw Scott Rowan just got in. We saw Todd Helden just missed the cut. We saw that Carlos Beltran, a guy who a couple of years ago was a surefire, straight first hall of fame ballot and now uh Mm -hmm. due to certain controversies not on anymore and we've seen plenty of other guys linked to other scandals i know you pulled your you pulled your ballot in 2018 uh but i was just i wanted to ask if you had any thoughts on the on the current state of you know the hall of fame voting process and just the you know the ballot as a whole right now
2: the process is a disaster
1: so there you go. you had the effort I don't know if that came through <laughs> of cool your face. I don't know. did that come through clearly uh, at all? I Ice I and clear you know Ice I to, and clear. <laughs> honestly I, I had to, I had to dust that off. Um, I let me let me just preface this by saying um i I really like Josh Rawich, who's the president of the Hall of Fame and John Chestakovsky and uh you know, a number of people who worked there. Brad Horn, who's a professor at Syracuse now, worked at the Hall of Fame for 20 years um i my issue with the hall of fame is the same as it's always been which is i feel like because of uh because of morality police who exist in the institution um they have whitewashed a generation of baseball and uh, to me uh, listen i'm not going to sit here and advocate for performance enhancing drug use i think that it is wrong. I think that it is problematic. I can see an argument by people who want to like speak in good faith about um the, the reason that PED use may be used to help heal injuries. Like I can see that I'm not I'm not entirely there um, because I do think having the most even uh and, and fair playing field among the athletes provides uh ultimately like the best competition and entertainment um but i'm sorry the best player i've ever seen in person and arguably the best player in the history of the game barry bonds is not in the hall of fame um alex rodriguez was an incredible player and uh, you know almost 700 home runs and uh you know to 20 some almost 20year career and one one of maybe like the most talented player ever and he's not in the Hall of Fame and we we can go on and on about others who who aren't in there uh, Roger Clemens Manny Ramirez guys who probably warranted um just by their stats alone but what the Hall of Fame did, um, was not offered clarity to the writers. And I think that lack of clarity that was offered to the writers very early on, um, emboldened a few, uh, enough when you have a 75% threshold to, uh, go down and play morality police themselves, even though. our, uh, our job to me as, as reporters is to just like look at the facts and allow the facts to guide us. And, Here's a fact. Um, There are guys in the Hall of Fame right now who use performance enhancing drugs. Um, So if that is going to be your barometer, your baseline for excluding others, um, that doesn't seem to be very consistent or logical. And um, here's another fact. Um, if, If you think Barry Bonds, because he used steroids, shouldn't be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame because he had an unfair advantage, then what about the pitchers that he was facing who were using it too? Does that even things out? And how do you parse that? And and, and it's that's where my problem is. Um, I have a really difficult time looking at all of the unknowns and trying to apply a moral code to them because I just don't feel like our information is solid enough to be able to to be that definitive about it. And and when I can't be definitive about something with the information I have, I rely even more heavily upon the information that I do feel like tells us something. And that information is the statistics. And there's, there's a very easy solution to this. If a guy got popped for steroids, say so on his Hall of Fame plaque. Like, say so. Lay it out. Educate people that way say there were questions about just how much the, uh, you know, how good he was because of this, but uh, man, to to end up uh, with a Hall of Fame that doesn't have Bonds or Clemens um, or, or A-Rod or Manny or a number of others, uh, I just, I don't think it's right. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, this Zoom recording thing is going to end in a couple of minutes here, but Just want to hear your quick recap and favorite part of your job. And if you can describe it in like 30 seconds, maybe. God almighty, he's describing my job in 30 seconds. Every day, every, every day, um, I get to go on television, social media, and websites and talk about baseball. Um, nothing is better than that. And I have the best job in the world. I love it.
0: That's incredible. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time as as two guys who are at Newhouse who really look up to you, huge baseball fans, so we admire all the work you do, follow you on all your platforms. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to meet with us, and I wish you nothing but the best for this upcoming season, and we'll make sure to uh stay you know attuned to your twitter keep your notifications on all season you're the best news out there right now and i think i might have to change my twitter profile to cousin greg after this interview
1: (laughs) yeah yeah uh, no doubt about it and uh listen i just best of luck on season three i'm really looking forward to it (laughs) (laughs) thank you
0: so much thank you so much jeff all right boys There what, you go. What an interview. Just passing, ladies and gents. And, Max, I have one question for you. Did you change your Twitter profile yet? Not yet. I'm going to do it right after I jump on with Liam real quick. And that's who's up next here on Newhouse and Night. Yes, George, sir. that's tonight. LG. LG is in. He will be with me for the next hour. And we'll bring him in in a couple minutes. But for for now, this has been Nico Horning. This has been Max Gifford. This has been Newhouse and Night.
3: WTLA North Syracuse,
1: WSGO Oswego, w 249 bc Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. This is New House at Night. Here tomorrow's star broadcasters today, live on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio Syracuse.
0: What's popping, everyone? Welcome in to the 7 o'clock hour of New House at Night. You might not recognize me if you tune in for Liam and Jordan every week, but um, I'm Max Gifford alongside Liam Griffin. Liam, honor to join the show.
2: Oh, uh, the honor is mine, and I think it's the audience's too. I mean, yes, I'm excited to to be on, but think about the audience. They get a whole other hour of Max Gifford. What's not to love about that?
0: Liam, you are too, too, too kind. (laughs) I try. I try. Even though you think Noah Chari was tripped.
2: (laughs) He was tripped. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we could go on an hour and probably talk about this. 20- oh, we, defi- we, we d-
2: definitely could. We could but, talk uh, about the
0: 2019 Stanley Cup Final for arguably two hours of this entire show. I think two
2: hours might be an understatement. hmm
0: hmm Well, that's not the thing that's on our docket today. Oh, there's, no. Because there's a much more important game on the docket. Or maybe it's not too important. But we'll go into that a is, little bit is later. Is the
2: game in question Providence-Villanova
0: tomorrow night? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was thinking I was thinking the Indiana-Illinois game tomorrow.
2: Sure, surely there's no big game being played in Central New York at 6 p.m. In, in, in the JMA Wireless Dome
0: tomorrow it, night. Is Cuse Mille Lacs playing tomorrow?
2: They are, just not in the
0: Dome. They're not playing in the Dome? Then what is the game in Central New York tomorrow, Liam?
2: I hear uh, this team from Durham, North Carolina, called the Duke Blue Devils, is making the trip up here for the first meeting with Syracuse, in the regular season at least. Doesn't Without a, Mike Krzyzewski.
0: Oh, so Mike Krzyzewski does not coach for them anymore. He does not coach for them anymore.
2: I don't, I don't know if you've heard. He went on a big retirement tour last year.
0: Mm. I, don't, I don't know. Did he lose?
2: Oh, oh, he lost to North Carolina.
0: So his legacy is tarnished. No comment. That's what I'm hearing. No comment. Legacy tarnished. Jim Beheim is the <laughs> GOAT is what I'm hearing.
2: Uh, uh, all right. But looking at this matchup, Max, Duke came into the season as one of the top-tatted teams in the country, and rightfully so. They rack up the best recruiting classes year in and year out, and with the likes of Filipowski, Derek Lively, and Dariq Whitehead, to name a few, they came into the season looking like they were going to compete for a national title. Eh, timeout, hold the phone. This Duke team doesn't intimidate me. There, I said it.
0: You know what? I kind of agree with you, but and I would say, I think the game itself has lost so much hype compared to last year. I think both rosters, I think the rosters on both sides have gotten significantly worse. And Oh, I think Syracuse's
2: roster this year is better. You think it's better? Absolutely.
0: Hmm, Interesting. But regardless, both team seasons have definitely not gone as planned to what they wanted to. And I think, I mean, we talked about Duke being one of the top teams in the nation, but that's the same for a ton of ACC teams right now. I mean, we look at North Carolina. They were the number one team in the nation. Mm. They are long gone in in any I mean, ACC can rankings. Can you name
2: an ACC team outside of Miami and Virginia that has played to or above expectations?
0: Um, well, Clemson proved that they were frauds, and North Carolina State proved that they were frauds this week against Syracuse. <laughs> uh,
2: but, And I think it's interesting you bring up that NC State game because... As good of a win as it was for Syracuse. I'm gonna go on the record and say Syracuse did not win the game. NC State lost the game. Cause the but for like the first fifteen minutes of the game, Syracuse looked like it had no business being on a basketball court. You saw Simur Torrance jacking up fadeaway three pointers. First of all, why are you shooting three pointers in the first place, Simon Torrance? Secondly, to do it as a three as a fadeaway, it's one of the most What's the word I'm looking for? Inefficient shots in all of basketball. It's
0: unacceptable. Unless you're Jesse Edwards.
2: Unless you're Jesse Edwards, which wasn't a fadeaway, but I'm still – I was in the Dome the other night for the game, and I was shook.
0: I mean, yeah. I i mean, I can get behind you on that. It was kind of crazy that – because Syracuse almost blew the lead again. I know. And when we were getting down to that, that crunch time, I was thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. Syracuse is going – to lose this one once again.
2: NC State made a mistake that you would typically see Syracuse make. DJ Burns, one of the biggest men you will ever see play on a basketball court, and he had a good game. He frustrated Jesse Edwards, on defensively at least. He he committed a charge, and that's something Jesse Edwards did against UVA a mere two and a half weeks ago. You would expect that kind of mistake from Syracuse at the end of the game. feels nice to be on the other side for a change, doesn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that just goes to say, you know, in a lot of the games that we've seen Syracuse lose in the final minutes, those teams didn't win that game. Syracuse lost that game. Oh, and yeah. I think it's the same situation here. Absolutely. Where NC State lost that game, like you said earlier.
2: And But I think tomorrow night, you have two teams that are mistake-ridden, inexperienced, and young. And Coach K isn't walking through that door anymore. Credits to John Shire done a fine job in his first year. But... I'm going to, based off of raw athleticism, Duke should have no problem winning this game. They have, like we've mentioned earlier, the best, one of, if not the best recruiting classes in the country. Syracuse, Jim Beheim called it before the season, the best recruiting class he's had in his time here. Ha, ha, do you think they've lived up to that expectation?
0: I mean, I would say maybe they have the best freshman they've had in a class in the in a while, but that's mainly because Jim Beheim is never usually high on playing freshman early, and Judah has shown that he can be a very good freshman, but the problem is you're dealing with Filipowski here, who is a seven-time ACC Rookie of the Week. Now, Judah is good. Judah is good. And he's a good rookie, and he will be very good, and he will hopefully be very good down the road whether he chooses to go to the draft or not, whatever. But Filipowski is arguably one of the best freshmen in the entire country right now.
2: No, he absolutely is, and I will get into Filipowski's game later because I think it creates a... Interesting, that's what I'll leave it at for now, matchup. And, you know, this Duke team playing a lot of close games here. It's it's almost reminiscent of Syracuse in a way. They've had a lot of opportunities to get grinded out, season-defining wins. And I look at last weekend when they were in Charlottesville against State ranked Virginia. They lose the game in overtime. Now, was that game tainted because Filipowski was fouled? 100%.
0: Oh, my gosh. But you have overtime... I, I totally forgot about that call. That was horrendous. That was a terrible call. That was horrendous. That was almost maybe as worse as Achari.
2: I don't know about that. You don't know about that? St- stakes weren't quite as high. Stakes but, weren't as high. <laughs> but you still have five minutes of overtime, and to rattle off a mere total of four points in an extra period, it's un- it's unacceptable. Yeah. The same thing happened to Syracuse when they played St. John's a few months ago.
0: And especially, it can happen. And especially for a team that has March hopes and has expectations of playing in those big March games where they are very close at the end and you have to be able to get those, you know, you have to be able to grind out those late wins and maybe you even have to go into overtime to get those, you know, those ugly, those ugly dubs at the end of the day. But Duke has not shown that they're able to close out games similar to how Syracuse has been.
2: And make no mistake about it, even though this is a tough Duke team in terms of they've had a lot of close losses, this is an NCAA tournament team. No questions asked. Right now, they're currently a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, or at least in Lenardi's bracket. But at the same time, you need to play at your best against this team. That that team being Syracuse, because NC State gave them that game, and SU took advantage of it. Now, will can we expect the same thing to happen? Probably not.
0: And but I think it goes to say, I mean, Duke is going to make the tournament purely because of how they played at home this year they are an absolute abysmal team on the road this year they're two and six two and six on the road i mean i I mean i don't care what team you are that's a very very bad record and especially for a duke team that has these high aspirations you can't only win two games on the road and expect to be any sort of successful in march madness
2: absolutely not we've got wayne in the truck on the line right now wayne give us your thoughts
3: Hey, I can't. I can't believe you said that this year's roster was significantly worse than last year's roster. I, I find that uncapable said... that anybody would think that.
2: Wait, so Wayne, let me. Uh, let me. Cl- let me make sure we're on the same page. You said you think my take about this year's
3: roster being better than last year's is a bad take. No, 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 no. I think your partner's take of this year's roster being worse than last year's is a very bad take.
0: All uh, right, Max, care to defend? Uh, I was going to say, do you care, Wayne, to expound on why you think that this roster is better this year?
3: Okay, well, uh, currently, Jesse's still playing. Um, we've got oh, so. Mintz, who is super, super athletic. The, our three, whether it's Justin Taylor or... Um, uh, gee, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, but they're both supremely more athletic than, than Buddy Boeheim was last year, or even Cole Slider, for that matter. And you know what? You can make the argument that, uh, well, you can't make the argument because it's almost proven, but Malik Brown is far more athletic to uh, Jimmy Beheim. Yeah. The the ceiling is so much higher for this team than the ceiling ever was for last year's team, just based on athletic ability that's on the court on a regular basis.
2: Wayne, I think you were hammering the nail down firmly and I appreciate the call. If you want to, Get your voice heard. Give us a call here on Newhouse Tonight and Q Sports Talk. Max, not only is this team already guaranteed to have a better record this year than it did last year, they've already hit that 16-win plateau. They're going to have a winning record.
0: Yes, this is true. Like Wayne talked
2: about, this team is much more athletic. And if you care to make an argument for Jimmy Bayheim, love the guy being more athletic than Malik Brown, please enlighten me.
0: I'm not going to argue that Jimmy Bayheim is any better than Malik Brown. But you just have those raw scores uh you just have that those raw scores on last year's roster like Bayheim and Swire, that you just don't have this year and you can say what you want I mean Jesse has been incredible lately he's oh my been gosh. incredible but before that eh, yeah. for a guy that's 611 he should be a lot lot better and he's a guy that we kind of blamed our season on last year and said that we couldn't win games because we didn't have Jesse. And if you would have played like that, I don't think we would have won any of those games.
2: Uh, I'll give you a teaser for what's going to come later in the show. Jesse's the X Factor tomorrow. You heard it here first.
0: You know what? I'm not going to spoil that segment either, but I may or may not agree with you on that.
2: (laughs) Well, you'll have to stay tuned to find out. We will be back in a moment here on Newhouse Tonight and Q Sports Talk to break down what SU needs to do to get a victory against Duke tomorrow.